0: about the game changer and you know uh, one of the things we've come to understand is this right here's the this is the playbook you know when you're playing football they got a playbook and and all their special little lessons that they're learning is in that playbook and and they're learning they they rehash it and they go over it and over it and over it and over it and over and over and over it and then they play and then they go over it and over it and over it and over it again to where it becomes really a living part of them you know So the Bible is to us the playbook of life but the the football playbook is to all those guys who are playing uh, their sport. Um, You know uh, last week we had a little bit of snow last week I think it was and uh, we didn't cancel Saturday night so this may not be relevant to you but if you weren't here at one of the services last week you know here or all the guys who are watching online uh, we had a a family in our church who who lost their home, you know. And I don't know. Do we still have that picture? I know I told them I was going to show it at the end, but we have it up. It's up there? Okay, thank you. Um, But we took up an offering for them last week, and for those who didn't have opportunity to to participate, you weren't prepared, there will be a bucket. uh, An usher will be holding it or be on the uh, tithe box. At the end of the service, if you say, I'd like to give, you know, to uh, the DeMarcos. And, uh, you know, just to bless them. I, I know they have some insurance, going to help them out. But at the same time, there's there's time involved in all that kinds of stuff. So we just wanted to help them right now. So uh, thank you for putting that back up there. And that's at the end of the service. You'll have an opportunity to, to contribute to that if you'd like to. So we ended last week in uh, the book of Matthew. And I'd like to kind of pick up there. And this is our our playbook and once you read through this book one time, you can toss it because you got it all. You know I'm teasing you, right? You know, we'll go through it and through it and through it and through it and we'll learn to plays. We'll learn to do what God wants us to do. And we came to discover so far in the uh, last two weeks, this will be the third part, and we'll probably kind of wrap it up next week, but uh, the game changer and the game of life the game changer for you and your family, the game changer for you and your finances, for you and your health, for you and your future, the game changer is genuine faith in the Almighty God. It changes every situation in your life if we'll grasp it and we'll live according to the book. Now, our temptation is to go, hey, uh, yeah, but. No, 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 yeah, buts. It's just like, here is the playbook. We play the plays that's in his book, and it changes our game, transforms it, <clears throat> makes the impossible possible. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, and it says, it says, anyone, that's Jesus talking, anyone who listens to my teaching. You know, it's, it's right here. And, and that's, that's the church. When the church gathers together, Let's just call that the huddle, okay? I mean, do you all like to huddle? One of you likes to huddle, okay. We huddle with other believers. We study the plays. We study the book together. We worship together. We interact. we, We strengthen our relationships and all. But anyhow, if you could look at this, you know, the huddle of a football team you know when they are out there and they're huddling maybe in a in a classroom with their uh, coaches, you know, and then when they huddle on the the field with their quarterback, they're they're getting some really good stuff, you know. What would you think about the football players that you know if, if they had huddle because some of them. Just, they know somebody holds up a thumb or a finger, they know what it means, and they don't huddle out there to save time. Well, what if your team had a huddle, and they got together, and they had an awesome time to huddle, and then they all went, and they sat on the bench for several minutes. And then they went back, and they had huddled. Huddle, huddle, huddle. huddle. Okay, and then they went back and sat on the bench for the whole game. What would you think about that? I mean, would you watch the game for very long? No. And huddling to us is when we gather together with other believers, whether it's in a church service like this or the life groups or when just other believers get together, we huddle, we talk about the awesome things of God, what he tells us in his book, in his playbook and all, you know. And, um, you know, once the guys have a huddle, the quarterback passes on the information, reminds them, well, have they been practicing what they're going to do here, they're going to do there. He reminds them, what should they do? Play ball! <laughs> Would you think? Or should they just go back and sit on the bench a while? No. They huddle, they get the information, and then they become men of action, you know. Men of action. If I need to make a touchdown or... So I want my goalpost to be right. Yeah, that's okay. But so us as believers, we have huddle. But when, when we leave the huddle, we need to take action. We need to be men and women of action who applies what we're learning from the playbook. It is awesome to huddle, and we need to huddle. But there's more to football than the huddle, and there's more to the Christian life than just huddling with other believers. I mean, we can just sit around and sing Kumbaya. Kumbaya. Are you familiar with that song? It's old, old. It just means come by here, Lord. Come by here, Lord. We sit on the floor for a guitar, and we sing Kumbaya, you know, for like eight hours a day, and then we go home. Is that what we're to do? No, we have a huddle, and then we become men and women of action. We go put it into practice, what it says in the playbook that's what we really want to do well anyhow it says here in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 it says anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is a man or a woman of action is wise if if you huddle and you hear what god's saying to you and then you become a man or a woman of action He says, you're wise. And that man or that woman who is a man or woman of action becomes a game changer. And the game will change for your advantage. It will change in your favor when you hear what our, you know, Savior tells us in the huddle and then we apply it to our lives. It will change your game of life. It will. But we go, well, yeah, but that's really good, but, but. You know what? There ain't no yet buts. It's either God's way or your way. Whose you think is the better way? I think God's way is a whole lot better. So he says here, anyone who listens to my teachings and obeys is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And we know you gotta have a foundation before you build a house. You dig a hole, you pour concrete in it, you put brick in it, put rebarb in it, then you build a house on it, and then you got a foundation that will hold the house up, spring, summer, winter, fall, for years and years and years to come. He goes on to say in verse 25, though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the wind beats against that house. Have you ever had storms like that come against you? It won't collapse because it is built on rock. Christ is the rock. When we hear what he has to say and we apply it, even if it seems impossible, even if it doesn't seem like it don't feel right, I mean, we do what his word tells us to do. And when we believe him enough to obey him, that's the game changer. The game changer is the one who listens and obeys. Listens and obeys. Huddles and takes action. It changes your situation. You can operate in the natural if you want to and, and boo-hoo and, 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 and uh, you know, sh- gloom and despair upon me. Or you can become a game changer. You can become a man or a woman of faith who takes God's word to heart. He did not haphazardly, carelessly, put these words together. It's the playbook for life. If a man or woman take that to heart, it'll change your situation. And Psalm sixty-two, verse two, it says, "He alone is my rock. God is my rock. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress." You know, a castle where I will never be shaken. And what we're talking about is building an unshakable faith and an unshakable God. See? Anyhow, picking up in verse 26 here in Mark chapter 7, it says, But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it, we huddle, 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 and then we forget what the quarterback told us. We forget what we learned from the coach, coaches and we forget what the quarterback says, and we hear, oh, yeah, that's good. You know, where are we going for dinner tonight, you know? But anyone who hears my teaching, Jesus says, hears my teaching and ignores it, is foolish. And I'll tell you, well, you you would never end up in a Super Bowl if you ignored what the coach and the quarterback said. And you're just going to do your own thing. You would never end up in a Super Bowl. You would be a foolish person to hear what they're teaching you and just go ignore it and do your own silly little thing. Your own silly little thing would never win you a game. You, you would not be a game changer. You'd be a game loser, you see. So we can huddle, we can go to church, we can be in life groups, huddle, 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 huddle and then ignore what God's playbook says. Well, I know it says that, but I'm not going to do it. I know it says I should praise. I know he said I shouldn't gossip. I know it says, but I'm not going to obey it. The Bible says anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. They never take action, you see. You know? They only, oh, I can't wait for the huddle. I just live for the huddle. I'm going to sit on the bench until huddle time. When they, Oh, man, that's huddle. Huddle, huddle. huddle, huddle. And then I'm just going to ignore the rest of it. I know you want to run out there and catch a pass, but I'm not going to do that. I like to huddle. What good would that do us? What good would it do a football team? It wouldn't do them no good at all. That's just the way it is. So he says here, and once again, verse 26 But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. You hear the Bible? and you don't do it, there ain't nobody can help you. Because no matter what you do, you're going to lose. You're going to lose because you're building your house on sand. No matter how big it and how wide you build it, it's going to fall down because it's being built on sand. You'll be shaken. It says, when the rain and floods come, and they will, and the winds beat against the house, it will fall with a mighty crash. See, faith and works, faith and action, faith and obedience is a game changer. So, you know, you're, 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 you're wanting to build a foundation. You've got to hear what it says, and you've got to take action. You've got to hear what it says, and you've got to take action. And the little bitty things. Are you acting upon what God has said to you already? Let's look at just a little video. Just a little simple video, but I want to take a peek at it. you say, well I was expecting something spectacular. It was. The Bible says if you're faithful in little things you'll be faithful in bigger things. If he had time to sit down and talk with his wife. He remembered that doing to others as you want them to do to you. He got up and gave some lady his seat. He was compassionate toward the poor. Bought him some groceries. Didn't make a big deal out of it. Just got him some groceries. See, our our faith makes us a game changer, and we change the games all over the world because of our faith is active. It's it's action. We do what God's word tells us to do. You know, in the smallest of things. It's so important in the smallest of things. Now, I need a volunteer. You know? It's pretty cool, right? So who can I use as a volunteer? Oops. There's electrical wires down underneath that thing there. I don't think they're broke too bad. Well, You know what? That wasn't too bad, was it? No, it's probably about half of them are still good. Let me just put it right there. Oh, man. Hold your hair back, too. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Mm-mm. I have discovered while I'm preaching all kinds of things that work really good as hair tonic, you know? A young boy on an errand for his mother, had just bought a dozen eggs. Walking out of the store, he tripped, and he dropped the eggs, and they all broke. And the sidewalk was a mess. The boy tried not to cry. He wasn't really successful, but he tried not to cry. Several people gathered around to see if he was okay, telling him how sorry they were. And one man handed the boy a quarter. And then he turned to the group who had gathered around and said, I care 25 cents worth. How much do the rest of you care? Now, he couldn't do it all, but he could do a little bit. You know? Our words really don't mean much, do they? If we have ability to do more, I mean, would it be a real big to do if everybody pitched in a quarter to get that boy another dozen eggs? But some people, they listened. They knew the right thing to do, but they wouldn't do it. See, faith, real genuine faith, is men and women who do. It's men and women who are just like, okay, I listened to what it said. I'm going to do what it says. I mean, that's 100% of us. Should do what it says. We should just do what it says. That's, that's what we should do. What Almighty God says. James chapter 2, verse 17. This is in the playbook. I think we might have read this one before. It says, so you see, it isn't just enough to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds, has no faith at all. It is dead and, and useless. Anybody over here go fishing? How many of you go fishing? Okay. I'm, I was thinking about fishing today, to be honest with you. know, I could have got somebody to preach for me, I might have gone, you know. <laughs> Starting to warm up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But have you ever been out there and you've been fishing, you know, got a big old fish on the line, you know, and somebody else says, you don't have no fish on there, you are hooked into a stump. (laughs) Have you ever had that kind of thing happen before, you know, people say? But you have the evidence, see. You have the evidence that they don't have, you're holding a fishing pole, and you feel the tug. And a stump don't tug like that. You feel him on there they don't feel it, but you're going, I got a fish on there. It's alive. I can tell that it's alive, and it may take you 10, 15 minutes to get that fish in, but you know. You're not going to just break your line off and well, I'm just hooked on a stump. No, because you know that something there is alive. Now, here's the passage we've already read. It's in the playbook. We need to read it again, and it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, faith is the confidence some translations say that faith is the evidence faith is the proof faith is the tug on the end of the line i don't see no fish but i feel it there i know it's down there and you give me enough time and i'm gonna see it and have it for supper you know it says faith is the confidence that what we hope for, and you understand hope is expectation, the confident expectation that God's going to do everything that he said he is going to do. And he says faith is this tug, this, this evidence, this proof. Faith is this tug that what we hope for, what's those next three words say? Will actually happen if a man or woman's got faith. What you're hoping for, what you're expecting, will actually happen. You, you feel the tug there? Everybody's like, hey, you're just hooked onto a stump. Ain't nothing gonna happen for you. But you have this proof, you have this evidence, you have this confidence. that God's gonna be there for you. God's gonna be there for you. And, and God can boot heaven and earth to meet your needs, whatever that might be. He, he genuinely does it that way quite often. So faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. See, see, faith is solid. Faith is solid. I, I'm, I'm talking about unshakable confidence in God. Not in some man, some woman to do something here, there, whatever. I'm talking about faith is solid, unshaking confidence in the almighty God to do what he says he's going to do. And he will do everything that he's ever promised you. You're one of his children, see. And he is especially fond of you. He genuinely is. That's just the way he is. And it says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance. Assurance means a guarantee. It gives us a promise, a a, a guarantee about things we cannot see. Faith. That tug assures me, I've got a guarantee there's a fish on there. And i got good fishing lines, and I've learned how to play the fish in. i got my drag set really, really well, and I'm going to get that fish in. You, you just watch. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Every time I go fishing, I fully expect to catch a fish. I genuinely do. And if I'm catching fish to eat, I, I take something to, to put the fish in to bring them back home. Because I fully expect, I'm not going to put them in my pocket. I need something to put them fish in. And when you go fishing, well, I don't really take nothing. Really? You don't really expect to catch nothing either, do you? See, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance, a guarantee about things we cannot see. See, human reasoning says, I believe when I see it. When I see it, then I'll believe. But see, faith says, I believe, therefore I shall see. So if you go fishing with me, you might as well get the cooler open with the ice in it to start stacking them fish in there for me. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of things that helps to strengthen our faith, you know. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. It's in the playbook. we got to get this into our heart. It's got to become part of our muscle memory. It says, Jesus said, if you can believe... What's those next two words? Now, name some of the things that he's talking when he says all things. What kind of things can God do that seem impossible, but according to him, if you can believe all things are possible, he said all things. Now, what kind of things is is that? Name me one of them. Can he provide you a meal if you don't have one? Okay, that's one. He can heal. Can he he mend relationships? I mean, if, if we had time... We could go through and list hundreds and hundreds of things that need to be done, but sometimes seems to be impossible, right? From our vantage point. But listen to what he says here in Mark nine twenty. He says, if you can believe, Jesus said this, if you can believe all. All things. There's nothing you can think of that he can't do. All things are possible to him or her who believes. Beliefing. Faith is a game changer. Where where are you at in the game of life right now? What is it you need God to do for you personally, for your family, for your health, for your finances, for your future, for your past, you know, forgiveness and all? Whatever it is you need God to do for you is possible when we have awesome, absolute, amazing, unshakable faith in his goodness and his love and his provision for us. Amen. And then you can reach other men and women when you believe that God can do everything he said. Because some people say, well, God would never forgive him or her. You don't know what they hold. Oh, yes, he will. All things... If you can believe that God can forgive them, he can forgive them. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. See, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. Faith begins where man's power ends and when we deem things are impossible. Do you have a loved one who you want to except Jesus as the Lord and Savior? Have, have you ever had that little whisper in your ear? That's impossible. They'll never come, come to know Jesus. they I ever whisper that in your ear? He's a liar. See, it takes faith to, to believe that the impossible situation, that man or that woman who seemed to be very selfish all their life, no, no room for God, but a man who can believe, a woman who can believe, that love on her mind can come to know Christ. Can and will. You just be patient and you just keep believing. You just keep praying. You do what God shows you to do. God does the rest. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight. Have we been made right in God's sight? Because of all of our works, right? It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. We know that that works always goes along with faith. But faith doesn't always go along with works. Some people think they can work their way into heaven and they can't do it. But anytime a man or woman has real genuine faith, when I believe i got a fish on, I'm not going to throw the rod down and expect the fish to jump in the boat. I'm going to reel that thing. I'm going to play that thing. I'm going to pull out drag, you know. I'm going to do whatever it takes me. I'm going to do my part. And I'm fully expecting that fish to be in the boat before long. You know. It says, therefore, Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Verse 2 says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved, privilege. Undeserved privilege. I mean, that's like a pretty special place. Do you know some people in this world who are very privileged? And not that they deserve the privileges. that they have access any more than you do? It just happened to be where they were born and, and off. But the Bible says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Faith brings us into undeserved privilege. I don't deserve this, and I don't deserve that, and I don't deserve this, but, touchdown. But because of faith, I've been brought into this position of undeserved privilege. I don't deserve all the blessings that God pours out upon me, but I find myself in a place of undeserved privilege because of my faith, because I believe him. Will God forgive you no matter what you've done? Yes, He will. And maybe you don't deserve something in the future if we were basing it on strict deserving, but not one of us deserves heaven. It's undeserved privilege to call God your Father. It's undeserved. Christ died pay for your sins, and we don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve to have our prayers answered. But he answers them and he meets our needs and he promises that he will do it again and again and again if we'll believe in him. See, faith brings us into undeserved privilege. Complaining and moaning and groaning and bellyaching and gossiping will not bring you into a place of undeserved privilege. You, you, you will lose and you will be in the muck and the mire and you'll just keep on complaining until you look up and you start praising him and changing your attitude and start acting like you're operating in the supernatural and begin to expect that God will do everything that he's promised that he will do for you. Okay, let's move on. Verse 2, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully... Everybody say joyfully. Joyful. That's the evidence of faith. You're joyful. And, and, and maybe your house just burnt down. You're joyful. And maybe you got needs that nobody knows about. But you're joyful. That's, see, that's faith in operation there. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward... Joyful is evidence of faith. Look forward. That's another way of saying have faith. Looking forward. That, that, that's faith right there, you see. Looking forward. Not just looking at the circumstances right now. Not looking behind me. But looking forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into. Can you rejoice when you've got problems? Wouldn't you rather complain? Be honest. There's somebody who would rather complain. You do it for a while and you find that don't help. I'd rather just do it God's way. He says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And God ain't going to move you out of them problems until you learn to be patient and to endure. You go like, I can get out of potty training if I learn the lesson? Yes. I can go on to the second grade if I learn what I'm supposed to in the first grade? Yes. do you like the idea of moving on? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they will help us develop endurance, patience. And endurance and patience develop strength of character. Are you a man or woman who's got strength of character, or are you just a character? <laughs> and it says, in endurance, and it develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 35 says, so do not throw away this confident trust, this confidence, this trust. It's all about faith, believing in God. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you, the great reward. Being patient, you pray and you're patient. Remember the, the reward that patience brings you. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is... Who needs it? Three of you are willing, brave enough to fess up to it. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he promised. Are you walking in patience? I'm going to tell you something. Being patient and patient and complaining, fussing, moaning, groaning, belly aching, and gossiping is not patience. Patience is doing something else while you wait. It's praising him and thanking him and doing any and everything good that you can do if you're moaning and groaning and belly aching and thinking, well, I'm getting through this patience, you are flunking and will go through it again. That's what the Bible tells us. and endurance is what you need now. Talking about the rewards, patient endurance is what you need now so that you'll continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Oh, listen to verse five, going back over here to where was he? Romans chapter five. We read verse one through four. Let's see, picking up verse five. It says, "And this hope will, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Our confident expectation, of God will not disappoint us, for we know, for we know, for we know how dearly God loves us." Do do you really know how much God loves you? Or do you feel like he's up there with a big stick just ready to whop me for stepping out of line? But see, we got to have faith that God is who he said he was and that he loves us. He dearly loves us more than any father has ever loved any child on the planet. He loves us because he has given his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, We having the same spirit of Faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. See, true faith causes us to speak. And when we're going through difficulty and we're going,
1: yeah,
0: that's what's in your heart. And it's not fit for humans to listen to, <laughs> you know. But faith, what you believe, you believe God's going to take care of you? you, believe God's going to help you, then we're going to speak that way. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have been made by Christ, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and on and on and on and on and on. It says in the playbook, learn what the playbook says. And he's telling us we will speak what we believe. And if If doubt and gossip and all this other baloney is coming out, that's what's in our heart, you see. And that's why we're not winning the game. We're talking about a game changer. What puts us into the Super Bowl and causes us to win the Super Bowl of life is what I'm talking about. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he said, you have faith in God. You know, he said, I'll tell you, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Remember when Jesus said that? You can say to a mountain, when is the last time you spoke a mountain into the sea? Have you ever done that? Have you spoken a mountain of fear into the sea recently? Have you spoke a mountain of debt or a mountain of sickness or a mountain of discouragement? Have you spoke those things into the sea? You know you can tell them where to go. You, you, what you believe, he said it right here in in, in his word. You know, what we believe ends up coming out of our mouth. I believe, therefore I speak. And Jesus said, you just tell that mountain to go jump into the sea. The mountain of whatever the mountain is in, in your life, he says, but you must really believe it will happen. So, study the playbook. If I'm not doing so good, don't just settle for what you got. Study the playbook. Study the play. Study the playbook. Go f- grab a DVD. They're all free. You know all the everything we teach here. You know it's all free. You can go back there, take as many as you want. Go listen to it again. You can go online, listen to them. You can go grab them, share them with somebody else. You can listen to the playbook again and again and again. So we're like, I got it. I got it. I got it now. And it changes the way you talk. It really does. Change you know, even to accept Christ as your Savior, what you believe, you've got to speak it. Do you know that? Changes your words. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hmm. So I can't even get saved until I confess with my mouth, what I believe in my heart. I believe in Jesus Christ died on the cross with me. I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe that he forgave me. Boom! It's yours, you see. He said it. I didn't say that. That's what he said, you know. Life and death in the power of our tongue. Our tongue will show evidence of what we believe in our heart. I need a volunteer or two. Or three. It don't matter. Just need a volunteer. I promise it won't hurt. Okay. Okay. Come on. I need another one. Another courageous. Come on up here. Awesome. Good to see you brother. Yeah. It's been nice knowing you. I'm teasing. One more. One more. Anybody else who's a brave soul? Come on up here. Hey, thanks for coming up. You're welcome. Awesome. Hey, come on up here. This ain't going to hurt at all. Y'all turn around here and look at me. Turn around and look at me now. What's this right here?
1: Deck, deck,
0: deck of cards. Deck of cards, right? Okay. Now, I don't really know too much about them. Oh, look, there's a joker on the front. That must be for me. So I'll keep that. Two jokers. Whoa! Okay. So, all right. So, let me see here. You know how to shuffle? Anybody? Mm-hmm. You know how to shuffle? Can you shuffle those real good for us?
1: How
0: much time you got? Oh man, he's doing good. He might, he might blow my illustration away. I don't know. That's pretty good right there. Okay. You don't cut him. Fifty-two. Fifty-two. <laughs> here, I got a knife. How you cut him? Oh, that's not what right you down use? down Oh, right down the middle? Okay, but that's, yeah, cut them. That's good. Okay, you put them back together there. There you go. Okay. Now, in whatever card game, do you know, how many cards does a person usually get dealt?
1: Five to seven to seven.
0: Seven's really a good number. Okay. okay. We'll God rest them. it on stuff. Okay, here, hold your hand. One, two, three. <laughs> One. Now, how many you got? Two. Three. Four.
1: Five.
0: That's, that's something else. That's not even a card. Okay. Seven? Okay. Now, just, you can turn them over and look at them if you want to. They look pretty good. There's like red and black and stuff all over them got some, you know, kings and queens and aces maybe and stuff like that. Okay. What do you call what I just did Did for you guys? Dealt the cards. I dealt the cards. Now, those are your cards. I don't even want them back. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody give them a grand applause for helping me out here. Those are yours. Go sit down. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now, what do you do with the leftover cards? I don't know. Throw them? Did somebody say throw them? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, here, let me read you a verse in the, in the Bible here. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says, God hath. What's that word? Dealt. dealt. Do you understand what dealt means? Yes. I just did it. I dealt. I gave them something. It says, God hath dealt to most men, at least 95% of them, it says God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has given every one of you a measure of faith. Everyone, there's not one man, woman here tonight that don't have dealt to them some faith. God has given every one of us a measure of faith to believe him for salvation, to believe him for forgiveness, to believe him So we can begin to increase our faith. Does God want your faith to be where it was when he dealt it to you to start with? No, because he said faith comes by hearing the word. So I hear it, my faith is increasing. But God gave you the faith to start with. You couldn't work it up on your own. But what are you doing with the faith that God gave you? Are you using it? He says here, God hath dealt to every man The measure of faith are you increasing it you can now if you're just sitting watching horror movies or something you're not increasing your faith if you're just dwelling on negative stuff you're not increasing your faith but if you'll spend some time in his word going like that sounds almost impossible but you know he specializes in making impossible possible you can increase your faith if you want to but gossiping and foaming at the mouth and moaning and groaning and being negative will not increase your faith. Faith comes by listening to what he says and then obeying it. Listening and obeying it. So, well, I'm not in really a good place. You can always obey what God asks you to do. You always can. He'll, he's giving you the faith. He gave you the measure to obey him for that one time. He deals every man and woman the measure of faith. And now it's up to you whether you're going to increase it or not. It's your choice. Hebrews 11, 6, it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. So somebody said, "Well, I just don't have none." God dealt you some faith, so don't say you didn't have none. You have a cards? You have any cards? Do you? I gave them to you, right? Look at there. He has cards. I dealt to him some cards, so don't say you don't have no faith. God gave it to you, even if you never read a verse in the Bible. He got you started. Does that make sense? Yeah. He planted a seed. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, number one, must believe that God exists, and number two, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Abr- a- a- Abram, in the Bible, whose wife was named Sarah, he f- believed God. God said, you're going to have sons and, and daughters so many that they're more than the sands of sea and stars of the heavens. Abram, and, 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 and Abram believed that God changed Abram's name to Abraham, and Abraham means the father of many nations. But he believed everything that God had told him. He was 100 years old. His wife was 90 years old, barren all that time. they never had nothing, no children at all. But Abraham was going, any minute now, you know, you keep that little, you know, bassinet over there in that room, you know, you know we're going to need that before long. Did you know that was his attitude? Listen to what it says. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Abraham never, everybody say never. never. Abraham never wafered. And, and when he would introduce himself to people, hey, how you doing? My name's Abraham. I I thought you was Abram. No, I'm Abraham, which means the father of many nations. God's promised me children. Meaning the stars of the heavens and the sands of the sea. Really? And it says here, Romans 4.20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Without even having to see something. Like my faith grows stronger. I just feel the tug on the end of that line. Hopefully it'll be here in a little bit. See, because faith has evidence. There's a guarantee with this confidence that I have that God is who he said he is, and he loves me, he's going to take good care of me. I just I just know that. You know. Abraham never wavered believing never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, His faith grew stronger. And in this, his faith growing stronger, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is what? Able to do whatever he promises. In faith, it changed his game. He had children. Miracle began to happen in his life because he believed God, see. See, if you strip all this down that we've been talking about, faith is confidence that God exists. Faith is confidence that God reward the man or the woman who sincerely seeks him. Not the one who can complain the loudest or, or worry or fuss or fear, but the one who sincerely seeks him, you see. What are do you doing with your time? Are you increasing your faith? You can increase it, and you can also decrease it and lose it. You can by what you do or what you don't do. Do you trust God? Do you believe he loves you? Years ago, a military officer and his wife were aboard a ship that was caught in a raging ocean storm. Seeing the frantic look in her eyes, the man tried, to uns- tried unsuccessfully to calm her fears. Suddenly, she grasped his sleeve and cried, How can you be so calm? And he stepped back a few feet, and he drew his sword and pointed it at her heart and said, Are you afraid of this? Without hesitation, she answered, Of course not. Why not? He inquired. Because it's in your hand, and you love me too much to hurt me. To this he replied, I know the one who holds the winds and the waters in the hollow of his hand, and he will surely care for us. The officer was not disturbed because he had put his trust in God. God loves you. And some of the lessons that we're having to learn, is for our benefit. And the sooner we learn them, we go on to the next lesson. Wouldn't you like to just go on to the next one? Or do you like to stay in the one you're in right now forever? Let's move on, you know, to the next one. Here, one one more um, story I want to share with you here. Sam, he was my best dog ever, a field trial dog who he could find birds. And he'd point them with contagious enthusiasm, his bird dog. Sam taught me the joy of becoming a part of nature. If his point said that a bird was hiding in that clump of bushes, it was there. He was so much more than a bird dog, though. Often we'd share together lazy lunches in an abandoned apple orchard and then snooze, you know. Late one afternoon, Sam and I became separated. Neither of us was familiar with the area, and I called and I whistled, and no sign, of, no sign of Sam. I had to get back to town for a very important appointment, but how could I leave Sam? If he finally came back and I wasn't there, would I lose him for good? And then I remembered a trick an old dog trainer had passed on to me. I unbuttoned my jacket. I removed my shirt, and I laid it on the ground under the branches of a small bush, and I worried all night. But when I returned the next morning, there was Sam curled up with his nose under the sleeve of my shirt. He looked up, and he wagged his tail. Where have you been, friend? (laughs) His eyes seemed to say, I've been here waiting for you all night but I knew you'd come back. Later I wondered, when I get lost, do I have the trust to look for some part of God's word and curl up in it? To wait patiently, knowing that my friend will find me if I just have faith and patience in him. You find a passage in the Bible that means something to you and then you curl up on it you think about it you chew on it you memorize it your um weekly challenge this week says this week i will curl up on a portion of god's word and i will trust and wait upon him with praise not going wonder where he's at wonder why he's late wonder why he let me here why He don't answer my prayers quicker that's not patience that's not endurance but you you curl up on a promise that he said in his word, and then you begin to thank him for all he's done. Okay, we're really done, but I want you to listen to a song and then we're going to close, okay.
2: So Chris started writing for this album and we've written songs together a bunch of us for a long time and he said Lou you got anything you want to put in and I said all I got are these simple little phrases but they are so valuable to me they got me through the hardest time of my life And with all the genius that God's put in Chris he took those simple lines and he wrote them into the most beautiful anthem for the darkest of nights and if you came into the house tonight feeling like you might not make it through this night, I just want to invite you to lift your hands up above the darkness, to lift them up above death and the grave to lift them up above cancer, to lift them up above loss, to lift them up above depression or the turmoil or the stress or whatever it is that's come against you and say, I'm lifting my hands up to believe again that God may have led me in to the valley of the shadow of death, but his plan is not to leave me in the valley of the shadow of death, but to lead me all the way through. And that's what he's gonna do. And we just pray that over you.
1: Leave it tonight in Jesus' name. Be still, there is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea, His mercy is unfailing. His arms. A fortress for the weak, let faith arise.
0: Let faith arise. Join, join me as we bow our heads together right now. And I'd like just to renew our faith in Christ, reaffirm our faith in Him. And if you're here with us tonight and you've never welcomed Christ into your life, would you, would you join us as we pray? Let Christ move into your life as your, your Lord and your Savior. He His plans for your only good. Not if they give you hope and they give you a future. So would you pray with me right now, dear Heavenly Father? I believe you love me, and your plans for me are good. To give me hope and to give me a future. I believe that Jesus died in my place. He paid for all of my sins. And then he rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I believe in him. And I believe in what he did for me. And I believe he's forgiven me. And that I am a child of God. Have your way in me, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if, if you're here tonight, and before you leave, if you have a need, there's some folks who are going to gather around the altar here, and they're going to uh, um, pray for you if you have a need. And I'm telling you, God answers prayers. if he just wants us to believe him. I mean, he just wants us to believe him what he said. He's like, you don't believe me? I said I was going to do that, and I'm going to do that. So come expect him, because God answers prayer. He genuinely does. If you prayed with us a moment ago and you accepted Christ as your Savior, stop at the connections desk. We got a gift bag for you. Got a Bible and some other little goodies that will inspire and strengthen your faith. And if you're a guest, we have another uh, gift to give everybody who's a guest with us tonight. And uh, as our ushers are making their way up, we're not going to f- pass the offering bucket or nothing tonight. We're going to put it on the tithe box for those who may have missed out on the offering that for the DeMarcos. Last week we took up an offering for them, but we're going to have a, 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 a bucket, so will be holding it around uh, at the tithe box if you want. Many of you have already given, so we understand that. And some of you just said, hey, I want to, but I, didn't, I weren't prepared last week. So if you'd like to give for those folks who, who lost their whole house, in a you can do so. And uh, prayer, uh, let's see, the gift, uh, the, uh, the little bag for those who accepted Christ, and greet one another on your way out, and I will challenge you, you know, strengthen your faith tonight and tomorrow. Be a game changer for the rest of your life. God bless you. You're dismissed. Hey, bro.